This is Pastor Bob Yandian. Whenever the rapture comes, we're going to have a great harvest day. That which was planted will be raised from the dead, and us who are alive and remain will be instantly changed into a resurrection body. What do we do until then? Well, we don't bury Christians. We plant them. Sound good? We've got more to come today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We are in the midst of teaching out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going through the entire chapter. We're going verse by verse. And last time we took up verse 12 down through verse 19. And in that section of the chapter, we took up the debater's technique of Paul teaching on resurrection. This entire chapter is dedicated to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and thus our resurrection, that we're going to have a resurrection body one day. And because Jesus was raised from the dead and given a resurrection body, we are also. Well, the Corinthian believers did not want to believe this because the religion they came out of under Plato and Socrates and those who taught the philosophy of that day is that the body is inherently evil. And therefore, the inside of us, the spirit-soul section of us, is wonderful. And so the body is like a prison, trapping what the beauty is on the inside. And one day when we die, this prison goes and we get to float with real freedom across the river Styx into the Elysian fields. And Paul's teaching that isn't true. When they found out after being saved that they're going to have a resurrection body, they rebelled. They said, we don't want this. And Paul had to take this chapter to take an entire chapter teaching on resurrection. I said this uh, yesterday in that there are sections of the Bible that teach on resurrection, a a verse here, a few verses here, a small section of a chapter, but this is an entire chapter dedicated to the teaching on resurrection. And so Paul, what he did was he took up a debater's technique in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, verse again, verse 12 down through verse 20. And what he said in that section was this, if you're saying there is no resurrection, then Jesus wasn't resurrected. But we preached it to you. And the way why we preached it to you, because God gave it to us. If God gave it to us, we're preaching what God said. And now you're saying that it's not true. Then if there is no resurrection, Jesus wasn't resurrected. God told us a lie. We are preaching to you a lie. Therefore, you believed in a lie. And you know what? You guys really aren't saved. And so by this time, again, debater's technique simply takes and assumes the other person to be correct to show them they're wrong. And so Paul assumed they were correct to show them they were wrong. And then we come down to verse 20 now. And after doing all of this, he now says this, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those who slept. He's saying here in this verse of scripture, Jesus did raise up from the dead. And the first ones that were taken out were those who received uh, resurrection and got to go to heaven. And so he's going to say later on, they're going to have their own resurrection bodies. But Jesus had to become the first fruits. He had to be the first one brought from the dead so all of us can be brought from the dead. And those who believed in Jesus, those who believed in the Lord, those who believed in Jehovah throughout the Old Testament, they got to go to heaven with him as he went because he was the leader of them. Since Paul has totally destroyed the argument against resurrection, there is only one conclusion. Jesus is resurrected right now and is alive in heaven. First fruits is a feast of Israel in which the priest walked through the grain fields and they waved the first stalks of grain before the Lord. 
And that first stalk, they would take and cut the first one, look at it very strongly. And if it was wonderful, they'd wave it before the Lord. What that did was simply say, this proves the rest of the crop is fine. We just took a sampling of it. Jesus Christ was our first fruits, waved before the Lord in his resurrection to prove the rest of us are gonna be fine. He is our guarantee of a resurrection body. He is our guarantee of success in life. And he is our guarantee we're gonna spend eternity in heaven with God in our own resurrection body, just like Jesus has. So the guarantee that the rest of the crops would be good was why he's called the first fruits of the resurrection. Our tithe we give to the Lord is our first fruits. Why? It's the guarantee when we take that tithe and put in the offering, say, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this to you for the winning of souls and for the, for the furtherance of this church I'm attending. That's a guarantee the rest of your finances are going to be blessed and good as a guarantee of a great increase. Jesus was crucified on Passover, but was raised from the deads on first fruits. Isn't that wonderful? Passover, showing in the Old Testament how the Passover lamb was to be killed. Jesus died on that day, but he was raised from the dead on the first day of the week and first fruits was the first Sunday of the next week. So Jesus is the first fruits and he is the guarantee for us of our new birth, of our sonship, and we could put daughtership in there too. We're all children of God. So he's our guarantee of the new birth. He's our guarantee we're children of God. He's the guarantee of our inheritance, our heirship. He's a guarantee of our priesthood. He's our guarantee of entrance and citizenship into heaven. He's our guarantee of our position and our authority over Satan and demons. And he is our guarantee of a resurrection body. Wow. All that because of Jesus being the first fruits. Can you see what resurrection did for you? It is your wide open door. I've said this before, but the greatest day we celebrate shouldn't be Christmas. It should be Easter. And we shouldn't really in Easter celebrate so much the cross, although that's the most, it is a wonderful thing. No, the greatest thing was resurrection. And to be born again, you don't confess the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified. You confess the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. Understand you have the cross and the open grave. And between the cross and the open grave, here's what happened. The cross was where God put away the problem, which was spiritual death and sin. But the resurrection is where he brought the answer in its eternal life. It's one thing to remove a person's problem. It's another thing to give them the answer, such as someone may be... Uh, poor. They have nothing. In fact, the debts have mounted up to here because they have no job. So I come along and remove the problem. I get rid of all the debts. But you know what? I haven't brought the answer. They need a job because they'll be right back in that mess without a job. What God is simply saying is I did more than just remove death from you. I gave you life. Death was the problem. Your position in Adam, your position in Satan was the problem, and I removed that. But now I've given you resurrection because the resurrection of Jesus, you now have resurrection life, and that's why it's called the new birth. Verse 21 of this chapter says this, For since by man came death, then by man came also the resurrection of the dead. In essence, this verse is saying this, a man got all of us into this mess. His name was Adam. A man had to get all of us out of this mess. His name was Jesus. Adam, who was a man, got us into spiritual death. Jesus, as a man, got us out of spiritual death and brought us into spiritual life. Notice what the next verse says, for in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
Not only are we alive at the point of salvation, we will be alive throughout all of this time we're on earth, at our resurrection, at the rapture, and throughout all of our time in heaven. I want you to notice what this verse says. In Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive. Here's the problem. We were born in Adam. And how do we get into Christ? Well, God made it so simple that Jesus took all of the problems that we faced over here, died for it, and died for our sins, and died to give us eternal life, but he gives us a choice. We had no choice to be an Adam. It was forced on us. If there's anything in life you can honestly blame someone else for and say you are the victim, it's in the fact that you were born into death, born into Adam. So you can honestly say that, but here's the point. I was born into Adam. I had no choice, but God, who is a perfect gentleman, took all of this and now holds the answer out to us. And for one thing, all we have to just receive it. All he says is if you receive it to those who received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. What am I saying? God holds it out to you. If you've never received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to understand something. You can't work yourself into it. Jesus Christ did all the works. You can't live good enough. Only Jesus could live good enough. Jesus did everything you can't do, but holds out and says, here's the one thing you can do. I'm going to give it to you as a gift. All you have to do is take it. And faith is your empty hand reaching out to God and Grace is God's full hand reaching out to you, filled with everything that pertains to life and godliness. All you have to do is reach out and take it. If you do that right now, you receive eternal life. I'm simply asking you in your heart to simply believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and with your mouth to simply say, Lord, I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. In that quick, simple prayer or simple statement to God, you can receive eternal life. And you will switch from Adam to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Everyone who transfers from Adam into Jesus Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus is now made alive just like Jesus Christ. And his death is imputed to you when he was on the cross, but his resurrection life is imputed to you the moment you receive him as Lord and Savior. You know, when we stand before God, we have this idea, many do, that all people will stand before God at one time. Well, we won't. The, all those who are believers will stand before him at the beginning or the ending of the tribulation before the millennial reign of Jesus. A thousand years later, as the millennium is over, all unbelievers will stand before him. And here's the idea that mankind has. If I'm good enough, I'll, I'll get to go to heaven. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'll get to go to heaven. And here's what most people think. If you ask him, will you go to heaven? They say, yes. In fact, I think I'm better than most of the people I know. See, it always goes to your pride. Works always goes to your pride. You brag on yourself. I Listen, I, listen, I think I'm pretty good. In fact, I think I'm better than him. I think I'm better than her. What you have is an idea that God's going to judge you as an individual, that you're going to stand before God and like a stalk of wheat, God's going to look at you and look at you and say, you know what? You're not so bad, Bob. I think I'm going to let you in because you know what? You're a little better than the others around you. And you, uh-uh, that's not going to be it. And, you know, I'm not going to be judged as an individual. I'm not judged as an individual stalk of wheat. I am judged as a branch attached to a tree. But I was born into a dead tree. If the tree is dead, the branch is dead. But God took me out one day and put me into Jesus Christ. Now I've been transferred to a living tree. I am alive because I'm in a living tree. In Adam, all die. In Christ shall all be made alive. The only thing God's going to see in heaven with the Christians, the believers who believed in him, you are in Christ. But to the unbelievers, you're in Adam. It doesn't matter how good you are, how nice you are. You're judged by the tree you came out of. I was in Adam at birth. 
But at five years old, I was transferred over to Jesus Christ. And now I am in Christ. And guess what? Everybody that's in Christ is made alive. So not only are we made alive at the point of salvation, we'll be alive throughout all of our time here on earth in our resurrection, the rapture, and eventually throughout all of our time in heaven. This is the Lord and the glory of the Lord, what God has done for us. I am now in Christ. I ask the question, are you in Christ? Have you ever accepted him as your Lord and Savior? As we enter into the break coming up right here now, halftime as I call it, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. And perhaps you're already born again, but I want you to bow your heads with me as I pray for people that are watching. Because you might've invited somebody to watch this broadcast and all this is coming to you. Jesus went to the cross for you. He died for you, was resurrected for you and holds it out to you now and simply says, you don't have to do anything as far as works. All I ask you to do is receive it. Would you bow your heads and pray this with me? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I now receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead for me. And I believe you possess eternal life and now I receive of your eternal life. I'm no longer in Adam, I'm in Christ and I have been made alive. Thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know what? You've passed from death to life. I'd love for you those who just did that to contact me at bodyandian.com. And you can email and let me know that you received Jesus as Lord and Savior. One of the greatest rejoicings of my life can be that someone watching this broadcast gave their life to Jesus Christ. We'll see you right after the break. When a Christian has passed away, we do not bury them. We plant them for a future harvest. One day, all Christians will put on a resurrection body our earthly bodies carry the image of Adam, but our resurrection bodies will carry the image of Jesus. We will have bodies that will possess everlasting life. In this exciting six-part series based on 1 Corinthians 15, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a detailed study of the future resurrection of every born-again believer. Messages include a foundation doctrine. What if there is no resurrection? What is baptism for the dead? Sowing reaping and resurrection, our incorruptible body, and the exception generation. To order Resurrection, visit our website at bobyandian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
In this chapter, we've been talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we're gonna talk about our own personal resurrection in verse 23 through the end, uh, down through verse 28. And we'll be talking about this by the end of this broadcast. We're gonna talk about different uh, levels of resurrection. What I don't mean is like one's better than another. I'm talking about time periods. Jesus was resurrected, others are resurrected, then others are resurrected, all in their own time. And so look at verse 23 with me, if you would. First Corinthians 15, 23, but to every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Let's talk about that word order. It says, but every man in his own order. The Greek word is the word tagma, and it means a rank or a battalion. It's got to do with uh, military uh, battalions or ranks in the military or ranks just even in an organization. Uh, you know, you have the guy down here pushing brooms all the way to his his uh, you know department head and those in the male department and then the, those that are the head of that department, all the way up to the uh, you know general managers and finally to the president of the corporation. And he's simply saying every man has an order. And depending on when you were born, what time period you live in, you'll come in your particular order. It says Christ the first fruits, which we covered in the previous verse. Christ the first fruits, afterwards those were Christ at his coming. And there's going to come two comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first coming, well, actually there's been three altogether. One has already occurred, but the next two are really returns of the Lord. And we could say afterwards, those who are Christ at his return, because he's going to come back twice on this earth or return to this earth twice. The first one, is the coming of Jesus Christ for his church. And he'll appear in the sky. We're told in the book of Timothy and his appearing in his kingdom. Those are the two remaining returns of him. We will see him at his return, at his uh, return in his kingdom, his coming in his kingdom. And that what we're looking for is the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in the sky. So we will see that. So that's the first one. After that's gonna be another group that will come at the time the millennial begins. And then at the end of the millennium, there'll be another one. And we'll go down the list of those. Those are all brought out in these verses of scripture. I call these resurrection ranks or resurrection time periods, because we all have different time periods, but we couldn't be resurrected until Jesus Christ was the first fruits. Any time in the Old Testament a person came back to life, it was never called resurrection. I would call it resuscitation. The difference is in resurrection, you'll always have that body. But in resuscitation, you come back, but you die again. You know, there was two instances in the Old Testament where two young boys were raised from the dead, one under Elijah's ministry and one under Elisha's ministry. There were two or three that Jesus raised from the dead, uh, you know, so and when they came back from the dead uh, and they were uh, resurrected, they really weren't resurrected to uh, live forever, they were resuscitated. Even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he had been dead for four days. He came back, but he died again later because he had his old body back. Whatever sickness he had, whatever disease he had that killed him was removed. And when he came back from the dead, he lived a while longer and then probably died and had to die later. We're not even told about his physical death later, only the fact that Jesus raised him from the dead. But again, this is not resurrection. Resurrection includes the fact that you're resurrected, have a resurrection body, just like Jesus Christ. Uh, we're told uh, later on when Jesus Christ, uh, you know, when he was uh, going to the cross and whenever the veil was torn from the top to the bottom and Jesus was raised from the dead, we are told that many saints from the Old Testament got out of the graves and came back into town and showed everybody they were again alive for a while. They died again later on. 
But those things happen as a sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were resuscitated. And there was a couple of cases in the book of Acts where people were brought back from the dead. And we know that even given to us is the ability through the Holy Spirit that at times we raise people from the dead. But those are not resurrections, really. They're resuscitations. They come back for a while. There are five orders of resurrection. Jesus is called the first one resurrected or the first fruits. The next that will come is the rapture of the church. And the rapture of the church will be when we as Christians see Jesus come back at the end of the church age. At the end of the church age, uh, the church age began on the day of Pentecost. It will end at the rapture of the church. God has to transfer the church out of the earth and take it to heaven. The reason why we're told in Ephesians is for this cause, I bow my knee to the father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The family is divided. Part of the family's on earth. Then later on when you die, you go to meet the rest of the family in heaven. You may leave the body of Christ. You may leave the church, but you never leave the family. The family is intact at all times, but there has to be something to bring us all together to go through the judgment seat of Christ because we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All is a reference to the church. Without the rapture, the church will always be divided, part in heaven, part on earth. But here's what's gonna happen. The part in heaven, those who have died and gone on to be with the Lord before us that are there in spirit form, or as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, that they are there in spirit, that spirits of just men made perfect, they're gonna come back with Jesus. Jesus is gonna come back and come back into the atmosphere and stop in the sky. They're gonna come back with him and those those saints from the whole entire church age are gonna come with him. Jesus will stop, but they're gonna come on back down and they're going to receive resurrection bodies. Their old body will be turned into a new body, a resurrection body. But the moment that happens with them, those who are on the earth, those who are here on the earth right now are gonna get an immediate transformation of this body into a resurrection body. Those who are alive and remain will be the only generation in the Bible that will not go through physical death. They will be instantly changed from a natural body to a resurrection body. And then all of us with resurrection bodies, those that came with Jesus from heaven and receive a resurrection body, us who have been given a resurrection body at that moment will all rise and go with Jesus into heaven. And that's when we'll go through the judgment seat of Christ the entire body will be brought back together on this earth. The earth will then go into the tribulation and the tribulation is again, the whole earth going back to Jewish time for seven more years. The seven years of the tribulation are the ending of Jewish time and Jewish time has not ended. It only stopped at the cross and there's seven more years left to be fulfilled. The church age has been inserted between those two time periods. When Jesus died on the cross and the church began, it'll resume after that and the earth will go back to Jewish time and God ruling and reigning and working through the nation of Israel again. Today, he's working through the church. So all that's going to happen the moment we're taken out of here. At the end of the tribulation, those who were Old Testament saints will receive resurrection bodies at that time and will all enter in the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of a dispensation, that time period is when we receive resurrection bodies. Old Testament saints and those saved during the tribulation will have their resurrection then. At the end of the millennium, 
There's going to be millennial saints that were saved during the tribula- or during the millennium, and they'll get to have resurrection bodies too. Then after all that's over, even sinners are going to receive a resurrection body, and they're going to have to stand before the great white throne judgment. We'll have resurrection bodies to go to heaven and stay in heaven. They'll have resurrection bodies, which will be cast into the lake of fire after that. Unbelievers today are not cast into the lake of fire. Unbelievers go to hell when they die. Hell is a waiting place for the lake of fire. In other words, hell is bad. And then later on, the lake of fire is far worse than hell is. So they'll be cast into there forever and forever, including Satan, all demons, fallen angels, antichrist, the prophet, the false prophet, the beast, all those will be cast in into the lake of fire. And even though uh, at that time, all them will be cast away and no longer be seen anymore. And then we'll move into the eternities of eternities. Look what verse 24 says, then will come the end. The end is the end of the millennium when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. At the end of the millennium, when Jesus Christ has subdued the entire earth, he's going to give that to God. He's still subservient to God. He's still under God, but God has given him this task and that's to come for the church, judge the church in heaven, not not us individually, our works in heaven. And then after that time, we'll rule and reign with him for a thousand years here in the millennium. People will be born during that time, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, or even reject him during that time. Some even in perfect environment will reject Jesus Christ and they will be handled at the great white throne judgment. So again, at the end of the millennium, it says, then Jesus will deliver up the kingdom to God. After he threw, he'll say, here it is, even the father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. There's coming a day when not only before the millennium begins, when Satan will be judged and all that, but at the end of the millennium, Satan will be released for a small season and Jesus will put that down. After that, literally, there'll be no more rebellions of Satan ever. Jesus in his resurrection, the rapture of the church, the second coming and progressively will pull all of Satan's kingdom and works and put them under his feet. This is what God the Father said to him in the Old Testament. He said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And this was repeated again in Hebrews, uh, the opening chapters of Hebrews saying that this is what God said. When Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father, after his completion of his work on the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, and then walking on the earth for 40 days to show himself raised from the dead, he went to heaven and God the Father said, now sit until I make your enemies your footstool. This will happen by the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So this will finally undo all that Adam did in this earth and the world system. Verse 25 goes on to say, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The final reign of Jesus Christ before the eternity of eternities will be the millennium. After the millennium, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth, after the tribulation, it says after the millennium will be the great white throne judgment at which time the end of all enemies will come to pass. The last enemy that shall be destroyed will be physical death. All other enemies, including spiritual death and Satan himself will have been handled. Physical death will be gone because the redeemed of all ages will have resurrection bodies and that includes you and me. Wow, eternity is gonna be fabulous. Verse 27 says, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is manifest or evident that he is accepted. That is Jesus Christ, he's the exception. When it says all things are put under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then eventually all things will be put under God the Father's feet, that is everything but Jesus Christ himself. He will always 
be under him until that time is over, then he will sit beside him forever and forever. And this will happen in heaven. And then we're told even in verse 28, and when all things shall be subdued to him, then shall the son also be subjected to him who put all things under him, that is God, that maybe he may be all in all. Jesus Christ has subjected himself to God the Father. Right now he's ruling and reigning beside him, but he will always, as far as he's concerned, consider God the Father the most important one, even though he'll be seated beside him in heaven. And guess where you and I sit with Jesus Christ? We've been seated in heavenly places with him. We also are sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because we are in Jesus Christ himself. So in all these things, we find out the goodness of God, the greatness of the rewards headed for us. And when we come back, next time. We're going to talk about this and continue from verse 29 and going on. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you tomorrow uh, when you come back again. I have this passage already open, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And remember the offer that's being offered right now. What a blessing it is. And I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.